Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Motivated by a lack of adequate and safe mobility systems and the potential of smart mobility to drastically reduce carbon emissions in emerging markets, Tonderae Nyoera has embarked on a journey to catalyze investments in renewable energy and smart mobility in the South African and other emerging markets. Tonderae is a certified expert in sustainable finance, as well as a civil and water engineer. He recently founded Mosai Partners, an ESG consultant to private equity, family offices, microfinance institutions, and mid-market companies in Africa. The Sustainable Finance Podcast is excited to feature Tonderae's story for our growing global audience. But first, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. If you're tuning into this podcast, then you already understand the crucial role finance plays in the transition to a sustainable future. With the right individuals leading the way in top companies, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. That's why we're excited to have Acre as our sponsor. As a world-leading sustainability search and recruitment company, Acre enables organizations to create real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in their teams. Visit the Acre website to learn more about their latest opportunities or to get in touch about building your perfect team. Hello, Tundarai, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hello, Paul. Thank you very much for having me here. We're very glad to have you as our guest. Earlier this year, you contributed to a white paper titled Exploring the Frontiers of Impact Investing, and it was published by the Impact Vest Alliance, of which you're a member. What features of impact investing did you focus on in this interview? Beautiful question. So uh, basically, the the white paper was was looking at trying to paint a picture uh, of investment that encourages long-termism within the impact investment uh, framework. Um, And the next thing that we were also looking at was uh, issues around the risk perceptions uh, within the global frame of, uh, of impact investment, as well as looking at opportunities and how they can be they can be framed as such, um, and also looking at basically the issues around um, the data collection. So, the the the, the white paper follows a golden thread uh, that is divided within the the macro scale, uh, the grand scheme of impact investment. Uh, it looks at the meso scale, which is the interactions between um, sector players as well as the micro scale. So within the 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 the, the, the macro scale. We're basically looking at how uh, different players perceive risk. Uh, that is the investors, as well as the the companies that are bringing in solutions. How they communicate was then looked at into uh, within the meso scale, and then challenges around um, data coming up with uh, sufficient uh, data architectures were looked at within the ma- the micro scale. That then looks at the company uh, and the project uh, level of things. Well, I can certainly see why you were motivated to pivot toward asset management. (laughs) Uh, So tell us a little bit more about those choices that you've made to to devote 
more of your time or perhaps all of your time to asset management and move away from your career in civil engineering. Tell us about that. So it, 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 interestingly, I, I would say it's a, it's, it, it points to one thing, which is a dire state of infrastructure within the, within the imaging or frontier markets, but particularly motivated by my experiences uh, within the, the Zimbabwe context. So I will just tell you a bit of a, of a, of a, of a story going back to, um, to the 90s, which is when I was born, moving into the 2000s and coming to today. So, um, my dad was a police officer, and I think I'm proud to say that because I I I I have my foundings in terms of discipline uh, from my dad, and my mom was the one who was quite uh, key in terms of uh, building relationships and communication and networking and all of that. But uh, the point that I really want to drive home in terms of going back uh, to 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 where we are coming from is there's a time that my dad actually traveled to Durban. So one of his friends actually got um, involved in the United Nations peacekeeping missions. And so him being a colleague, they decided to travel together to South Africa, particularly the port of Deben to collect uh, his two vehicles. So he was going to drive one of them and the owner was going to drive the other. So as they were traveling, it's, it's, it's in the night, they're not seeing anything, they're on a bus, but then coming back, they have to be paying toll gates. So 2003, December, dad comes home and says, uh, did you know that? someone can own a highway. And I was like, how on earth can someone own a highway? Then he explained the, the, the concept of toll gates. So moving, moving away from that, um, then uh, be, being a police officer again, uh, he, had, he had a duty to, to, to actually do presidential briefs within the police commissioner general's office. So at that particular time, he had to watch a lot of uh, news and current affairs. And that automatically meant that at home, we're also watching news and current affairs. I have to watch the budget at a very young and tender age. I have to watch news. I have to look at uh, the business segment of news where they're talking about stock markets, the national budget and all of that. So all of this combined, uh, by the time I was now doing my my my, my third year in, uh, in, in civil engineering, I figured, oh, there's an opportunity to actually contribute within the infrastructure space of things beyond just being a technical person, beyond just being an engineer. And I got involved in different projects where I realized also that uh, there is a huge need for someone with technical capabilities to also understand our project finance. And uh, this is what has really motivated me to, to get into, into the asset management side of, uh, of infrastructure development, uh, particularly. Uh, and obviously, as, as 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 things evolve, I'm realizing that it's just beyond alternative asset management. But that's where my my passion lies. Uh, I would say uh, I've also been involved in an accident. I think we'll talk about that later. But yeah, okay, that's where the pivot is coming from. So. What you're suggesting is that all of your technical training and your informal education as a child uh, has brought you to a point where you have see opportunity in focusing in asset classes in the emerging markets and the developing markets as, uh, of Africa as well. Um, where do you see opportunity today? What is your what is your what are your favorite asset classes? So basically, again, going back to the to the to the time I was growing up, uh, Dad was trying to build a house. Uh, so he, he he used to have uh, this this plan uh, that he that he had of, of 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 the house. And at that time, I think I just fell in love with, uh, with the real estate. So um, looking at now infrastructure, 
is 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 a bigger form of real estate. I would say um, smart and safe um, mobility and logistics are where my my passion lies. And beyond that, just looking at a highway, you can imagine the kind of social impact that it brings. So all um, alternative investments that have got a pronounced social impact, but anchored on uh, on highways, anchored on um, on 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 accommodation. Um, beyond just um, affordable accommodation, smart accommodation, and um, all of those things are what really motivate me and what I am uh, keen to contribute. Water supply and sanitation. I've always given an example and said, uh, whatever project I want to be involved in, it just mustn't be a structure which benefits uh I'm trying to think of a company from out of the blues. One, 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 one entity, you know, a, a building that is owned by a by a, by a, by a large company. But I want, I envision, you know, the the grandma in the rural areas opening a tip or traveling through a highway that I I I would have been involved in. So all of those um, utility pieces of infrastructure that give uh, last mile delivery and that give the end impact. To the to the to the men on the ground. I see. Well, thank you for that uh, for that background. It really helps us paint a picture, as you say, of your personal experience um, and the time that you've spent developing all of these professional skills. What are some of the challenges for investors that you see in developing economies? and markets uh, in Africa and other developing economies around the world. We, uh, we, we see a lot of investors in the developed economies uh, having, in my opinion, an, an, um, an unrealistic perspective on the risks of developing economies uh, versus uh, investing in developed economies. So if you could tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you see for investors in developing economies, I think that would uh, be very helpful for our audience. You, you think about uh, the, the the macro level, the macro scale investor, but then I'm just thinking, oh, by the way, there's actually the micro investor. So again, it's an issue of risk perception that comes um, based on based on background, based on uh, your mandate. Um, I am still reading around uh, investor psychology, just as an example, and trying to understand as an individual what are some of the personal issues that affect the investment decisions that uh, that individuals make. But I would I would say that one of the one of the hindrances. Uh, whether you are you are a retail investor, you're you're an institutional investor, you're trying to put in time. It's how we perceive risk and how we perceive uh, opportunities. And um, looking at looking at um, the, the the story that I was just telling in terms of the dire uh, lack of infrastructure, the dire state of infrastructure. When someone looks at it, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends. Uh, we we are we are we are just talking and we're looking at the noise and chaos, uh, the bustle and hustle in the streets of Ferrari. And I said, but do you understand that there's a lot of opportunity within this hustle and bustle? So it's how we then look at risk and, 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 and turn it into opportunity. And if we are not able to look at the challenges, instead of looking at them at problems, I think that then messes up um, the way that we look at, uh, at risk. But at the end of the day, if we are able to, to capitalize on that opportunity as an opportunity instead of risk, uh, definitely, there are a lot of dividends that can be taken uh, out of investing in those uh, opportunities. 
Yes, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought those uh, concepts uh, into the conversation, Tenderai, because we had we had another uh, recording earlier today with a very large global asset manager, and they are essentially saying the same things in greater detail that you're saying uh, related to all of the markets that they invest in. Uh, it's a matter of scrutiny. It's a matter of detail. It's a matter of of evaluating the risks and the opportunities and comparing them to each other and then making the decisions that you make as an investor. Uh, and, and I think all of the markets around the world have all of these same concepts at work. So I, I appreciate you bringing that forward. And let's now talk about what keeps you going on the path to becoming a great asset manager. Uh, you know, there's there are lots of roadblocks, if you will, to use uh, your uh, vision of the road ahead. And there are lots of things that happen along the way that we don't anticipate as uh, investors or asset managers. I know I was a financial advisor for over 20 years in practice and worked with a lot of people and saw pretty much the, the, the spectrum, the range of, of risk and opportunity. What keeps you going on the path to becoming a great asset manager? And again, as you're asking, I'm, I'm thinking about something funny. There's, I think I've, I've, I've had two conversations with gentlemen I highly respect. I asked a question to one of my mentors and I said, but what makes a great asset manager? And the first point that he said was, Tundera, uh, you need to be able to look in one direction when the markets are looking in the other. And now I'm realizing that uh, there's, there's a certain level of craziness that you actually need uh, to become <laughs> to become a great asset manager. And I'm saying this also because I'm mirroring the, the conversation that I also had uh, sure. with one of my mentors who was actually a civil engineer. So what he, what he then says is he looks at my LinkedIn profile at that time and he says, but Tony, don't you see that your LinkedIn um, profile is everywhere and it's 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 it, 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 we are not seeing the golden thread of where we where, where you're really going mm. so then i say to myself but that's that's that that's an important point simply because but who is going to invest um within the fund that i'm building if i don't show that um that kind of golden thread to say this is my movement into into uh into into asset management but i think it's that level of craziness as well that allows you to say I will see the opportunities and I'm really willing to, to, to learn uh, towards becoming a great asset manager. But one thing that I've also noticed uh, within this journey is I, I had another conversation with another mentor uh, who's in the tech space now. And the very first conversation that we had, uh, I started sharing what has motivated me to get into asset management. And I, I spoke about um, the two accidents that I got involved in. And the second one particularly is the one that really gets me going when 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 things are tough and challenging. That really gets me going. And what actually happened was this is Independence Day in Zimbabwe. This is close to a very very significant river. It's an important highway because uh, it's close to the biggest diamond fields in 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 Zimbabwe. So what actually happened was we're trying to overtake uh, a haulage truck, but unfortunately the the highway is 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 a bit narrow. So close by there was a there was a there was a there was a cave. And as the driver was trying to maneuver the, the passing, um, as the driver was trying to make the passing maneuver, she realized that the, the driver's side of the wheels 
were actually out of the or out of the highway. And then she noticed the 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 the, the car that was coming and panicked. And then we um, unfortunately, and then we 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 we, we rolled over. And unfortunately, again, so this is an accident that has happened on the highway. We are supposed to be taken, all of us, uh, to to the clinic or to the hospital. Actually, let me say to the hospital. We're supposed to go to the hospital. The hospital in the area is actually a small clinic. And the nearest hospital is about 150 to 200 kilometers away. Where we are supposed to travel with an ambulance uh, through some, some portholes uh, via an area with a lot of goats and cows. And you can imagine. So... If I look at instances like that, um, this story motivated at first glance. Then now we're having a conversation with my darling friend, uh, Aisha, and we're we we working on how to develop the Chakata Fund. We're looking at how to structure the investment pieces, the strategy, um, which areas should we invest. So I'm now having a, a bit of a, of, a, of a challenge. Green energy, safe mobility, how do we bring, the, bring these things together? And I'm about to travel back to, to Harare from Cape Town. Then as I'm scrolling through my phone, I see um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a series of photos that have been posted about an accident that has just happened. I looked at the video, I think three or four times. As I'm busy thinking, where should I put my focus? And then the video then took me back to the accident that I had, took me back to the, to the conversation I had had with my, uh, with, my, with my mentor. And then I figured, okay, it has to be smart mobility because these things drive um, air, unfortunately, along with uh, the state of the highways are contributing to a lot of deaths on the roads. Unfortunately, our um, hospital systems, they can't cope with, with what is happening. So that sort of motivation as well keeps me, uh, keeps me going. Good. So it's very deeply connected to your personal experience of yes. not only crisis, but crisis management. Uh, yes. And that's certainly part of what we go through in the financial <laughs> markets on a regular basis. Yes. I've had yes. I've had yes. periodic crises throughout my career. And one of the reasons that I do the podcast now is because uh, I, I get to tell all of those stories over and over and over again to different people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually enjoy doing that because it, it, you know, as you're suggesting and as you're doing, it it reflects my experience of growth in this kind of work. Now, the other thing, of course, that we all do as we grow professionally is we do a lot of reading and research and study uh, about the things, especially as an asset manager that we're investing in or that we're recommending to other people to make investments in. So what kinds of books and what kinds of research are you reading these days to keep you focused on the path that you've chosen? Uh, awesome. But I, before before I talk about the books, let me just take you back to crisis management and that accident again. And the crisis management that was happening in my head as the vehicle was overturning. And it's, 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 it's beautiful because you, you, you actually call it exactly crisis management. So the first thing that gets into my mind is um, the worst thing that can happen is, is, is a fatality. I could actually die. Sadly, we ended up actually losing a colleague within the accident. Uh, and may, may so rest in peace. But because we're talking about crisis management, I had to accept the, the, the ultimate thing that could happen. The, 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 the other thing that could happen was total, um, total paralysis. But then you look at everything and just say, 
if I'm going to be totally paralyzed, at least I need two things to function, my heart and my mind. If those things are working, at least I can still contribute to, to, to global growth. The last thing that could as well happen is, is, is minor injuries. I should be able to take those minor injuries, uh, work with them confidently, and continue contributing to, uh, to global growth. But yeah, big in terms of crisis management and trying to make the accident quite light. In terms of the books, um, one thing that I would, I would, I would be proud to mention at this particular moment in time is, um, when I, when I then made the final move, I was working with, uh, with an institution called Masimba Construction, an amazing, um, construction company in Zimbabwe, projects in the platinum space, projects in the gold space and, um, water supply and sanitation. Um, one of the things that actually happened was then uh, a decision to actually start my Master of Leadership in Development Finance that time. But it's now called the Master of Leadership in Sustainable Finance. So I'm, 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 I'm finishing off uh, reading my Master of Leadership in uh, Sustainable Finance through a Master Thesis, which is focused on student accommodation. Uh, but that's just uh, part of what's the material that I'm reading uh, in different facets of sustainable finance and understanding how uh, it impacts in terms of uh, in terms of asset management and the relationship and uh, the, the symbiosis. Then um, to anchor that, I'm reading the origins of asset management from 1700 to 1960, uh, Towering Investors by Nigel Edward uh, Moorcroft. I'm also reading uh, The Effective Executive. I am reading um, the Dealmaker by Guy Hens, uh, Lessons from a Life in Private Equity. Um, I've read, um, I've read Good to Great, uh, by Jim Collins and another Built to Last by Jim Collins and another author. And, uh, I'm also reading Napoleon Hill's, um, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Those mm. are the books that I'm, that I'm reading. Well, that's a very eclectic list. <laughs> and and I would like for you to send us links to where our followers can do their own research. Tonderai, where online can our listeners learn more about Mosai Partners and how can followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast contact you with questions about the topics that we've discussed in today's episode? We didn't have a chance to talk about the fund that you've launched, but I'm sure people would like to know more about that as well. So tell us how they can reach you. Uh, awesome. So I, 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 I'm quite uh, available on LinkedIn uh, as a point of departure, but uh, I'm having amazing uh, collabor collaborations with, uh, with Aisha and the team at, at, uh, Impact, at the Impact Vest Group. Mm. So about the fund, updates are continuously going to be coming uh, on the impactvest.group uh, website. Uh, there, people can also find uh, information about the, the Chakata Fund. And um, in terms of communication, other than LinkedIn, um, we'll keep on rolling in terms of uh, sending through my email uh, address, if that's okay. Please do, please do. Thank you very much, Tonderai Njoera. And for our listeners, if you're ready to take your team to the next level, or if you're an experienced sustainability professional, visit the Acre website to get in touch. With the right individuals leading the way in your company, sustainability becomes more than a buzzword. Let Acre enable real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in your teams. And to our followers, 
Join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you.